um, let's see how much I stick to my notes and let's see how much I don't. Uh, we'll just see what happens. But I want to start by saying this. Oh, the, the, what we're doing today, <laughs> I better tell you what we're doing today. We're looking at the topic of devoted to fellowship. Okay, so uh, Rob looked at devoted to the word last week from Acts 2.42 and I'm sort of following up in that series on this. The first thing I want to say on it is this. Fellowship is more than just a bun fight in the back room. <laughs> Let me explain that, because this is a bit about me growing up, um, which, you know, I was young a long time ago. Uh, but some things stick with you. Some things that people say stay with you. When I was young, I was growing up, we, I was a kid, and we'd have a... This was in the days where you went to church twice on a Sunday. If you remember that, you'd have a morning meeting, you'd have the, have the afternoon off, and then as a kid, you'd go, oh no, it's the evening meeting. Be about half the people there, it was hard work. But sometimes, the church I was at, we used to have food at the end of that meeting in the back room. And that would be called a time of fellowship. And what that meant was going into the back room, hanging out, having some quiche. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Some sandwiches with curled up ends because they'd been sitting out all through the meeting. Um, but my dad used to get really frustrated. He used to get really frustrated and said, that's not what fellowship is. There's more to it than that. Fellowship is not just the bun fight in the back room, which is where the phrase came from. It stuck with me. But my dad used to say, probably still does, although has, has less need to now. So what I want to do is jump into some verses to look at fellowship, to look at being devoted to one another, which is what this is. And then let's unpack that a little bit. See where we go. So let's read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And this is the ESV version that I'm reading from. It says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is what Rob looked at last week, and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Probably not quiche though. Praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is a beautiful description of the early church, day-by-day life of the church. This was normal life for them. But as I read these verses, there were a few things that stood out to me. They saw signs and wonders. They had all things in common. No one went without. They were glad and they were generous. They had favour with all the people and they grew in number. So when I read that in Acts 42, I thought, do we want that here? Yeah, we do. Do we want that here? 
Rob said something about agreement earlier. <laughs> we want that here, don't we? We want to grow. We want to be glad and generous. We want favour with people. We want to see signs and wonders. We want awe to come upon people because of what is being seen. The question is, how did they get that? Well, actually, that passage tells us because there's a cause and effect. The effect is what I've just talked about. The cause, they devoted themselves to the teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, remembering Jesus. They devoted themselves to prayer. Because they did all that, they got signs and wonders, had all things in common, none went without. You see, we don't just get it. There is something to be done. There's that devotion, that devotion to the word, that devotion to fellowship. So we've looked at devotion to the word last week. Today, devotion to fellowship, devotion to one another. And um, I expect that as we do this, that we will see more signs and wonders. We will see more in common. We will see more of that shared vision, those shared culture, cultural values as we go forward. We'll see it happen. We'll see those many saved. We will stand together, as, as, as has happened in the, as we talked about in the worship. So what is fellowship? Well, if you've been around churches for a while, I've illustrated one use of the word fellowship. It meant some food and hanging out together. Uh, if you've been around long enough, you will have heard fellowship used in many ways. I used to, many years ago, belong to a church called Newport Christian Fellowship. as one way. And um, a time of fellowship would be getting together and spending time together. There was one place I went where if everybody brought food together to share, it was called a fellowship tea. Now, all these different uses of the word fellowship over the years. What does it mean in this context, in the Bible here? What does it mean? Well, we've got to use a number of different English words to really describe what it is. So, words like participation, benefaction, that means donation or gift, generosity, communicate, communion, contribution, togetherness, all those things describe fellowship. It's a sense of togetherness through action, looking after one another. This is not a passive thing. It's not just hanging out together. There are actions involved. You can also describe it as a share in the whole. So if you have shares in a company, you own a little bit of it. You are invested in it. Fellowship takes investment. You are invested in it. You have a share of it. You have a responsibility in it. The better we are at being together and doing things for one another, the more we contribute and build up to one another. So if I've got shares in a company and I trash talk that company, those shares are going to go down and the investment loses out. But actually, when we've got a share in something, we want to contribute to it. We want to value it. We want to talk well of it. Because actually, as we talk well of one another, that benefits us. Because if I talk well of you and you're talking well of me, we all benefit. We all win. (laughs) And our share value goes up. Because this is part of the whole. 
we're affected by everything that happens. That's why Paul says in Romans 12, 15 to 16, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly and never be wise in your own sight. This is about valuing others more highly than we value ourselves. And when Paul uses the word harmony here, it's not just some kind of accidental passive thing. So when the guys are here uh, leading us in worship and there are harmonies, that's taken work. That doesn't just happen. You've got to work it out. There's action involved. This fellowship, this togetherness takes actions. It's effort. It needs to be intentional. So what I want to do and the way I want to do this is just some of those words I use to describe fellowship. I want us to look at three of them and what they mean and what they mean for us together. And those words are participation, common purpose, which actually you could look at as agreement, which is how Rob kicked us off this morning, and generosity. Those three things in the way it builds that fellowship and we dedicate ourselves to it. So participation. Participation is about serving one another for the common good. Verse 44 in Acts 2, the passage we read said, all who believed were together. They lived together. Now, this doesn't mean they lived all in the same, they didn't live in community in the sense of all living in the same place. Okay, sometimes people have taken it to mean that. That's not what it meant because we know they had houses. They met in one another's houses. So it's not wrong for us to have houses and live in different places. But actually there's a sense of togetherness and participation in what we are doing. What it means is playing your part. If you are a part of Jubilee Church, that's not just, it's not just because on a Sunday morning we arrive here. That's not what being a part of Jubilee means. Being a part of Jubilee means participating, playing your part. It means serving. It means that devotion to the whole and to the good of one another. And it doesn't just mean serving on a Sunday. It doesn't just mean welcoming or preaching or playing or, or whatever else and sound and coffee. That's a really important part. <laughs> I always know when it's time to finish. I can smell the coffee. <laughs> I can't smell it yet. I'm carrying on. Um, but actually it's a wider participation than that. It's a knowing one another's needs. Because when we know one another's needs, we know we can meet them. So it's about meeting one another's needs on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, on a Friday, on a Saturday, and on a Sunday. It's every day of the week. We want to meet one another's needs. But to meet one another's needs, we need to know one another. And we also need to be open with one another. There needs to be an openness and authenticity to say, I am in need I need someone to participate here to help me. That's an authenticity. That's one, one of our cultural values. It's part of the culture of Jubilee Church to be authentic. They participated in the whole for the good of the whole. So to be devoted to fellowship means to be devoted to serving one another. And we see they had a common purpose so it wasn't just participation that fellowship is about but it's also about having a common 
purpose. You could actually say they had a culture. That's what it is. The, cult, the, the words that describe the culture of Jubilee are up on the wall over there. This common purpose is all about our culture. But when you look around today, you see common purpose. Common. They had, it says in that passage, they had everything in common. But if you look around you now, you will see a number of people that you have nothing in common with, and, or very little in common with, not nothing, because we're all here together. So there's something we have in common. And there'll be other people that you have more in common with. So, for example, I have a particular taste in music. <laughs> what? And if everybody had my taste in music, the world would be such a wonderful... No, that's not... <laughs> I have a particular taste in music that most people here won't share. I can guarantee you that. Not everybody, but most people won't. Does that matter? Well, we haven't got everything in common and the Bible says we should. I'm not changing what I like. Okay? You can keep your 80s disco and your pop music. I'm not interested. No, it doesn't. You see, what it meant, and I think society's changed so much from back then... Back in the day that this was written, people didn't really have hobbies. They didn't really have the myriad choices in music and, and food and entertainment and all those distractions that we have now. Not to say they're bad, but they didn't have them there. So it doesn't, it's not those bits that it's talking about. It means the things that matter. It's the things that matter to us. The values, the way we live our lives, the way we treat one another. That's what we need to have in common. We need to have in common authenticity, passion, honesty, integrity. It's those things that we have in common. And this is not about conformity. This is not, as some commentators used to say, of this passage, an early form of communism. Okay, it's not that. It's not about conformity. Actually, having a common purpose celebrates our diversity. We're all very, very different. And that's a good thing. It's a positive thing. Because what happens is in all our differences, we come together with a common purpose and we display the wisdom of God. In Ephesians 5, it talks about the multicolored wisdom of God. What is that? That is the fact that we're all different, but we can all come together with a common purpose. Glorifying God, sharing the gospel, building the church. It's what it is. Common purpose. It's a fantastic thing. And actually our our diversity adds to that. We honour one another. We have a common purpose. And we have a unity in the spirit. A unity of purpose and togetherness. A unity of vision and mission. And there's a real love of being together. Uh, There are probably people here that would never, ever do anything the same. And yet there's a unity in the spirit of, of purpose, of vision, of mission. And when that's displayed to the world, why? Why is it that that the early church saw thousands added to their number? Because they were modelling something so different, so radical. It's no less radical now. This is what we are doing here is no less radical than than then. The world needs it. They don't know it, but they need it. You only have to look now at the number of clubs and societies and things like that 
Why, why is it? Why is it that that's proliferated? Why is it that everybody wants to belong to something? I was walking here um, from the car park and there were a big group of cyclists. It's a little bit of me thought, I'd like to be with you today. <laughs> but actually, no. But the, the reason they're all out, they're all different and they share a common purpose. Why is it people are after that? Because they've got this, they've got this need to belong. They've got this need to share something in common. Why? Because they're made that way. God's made us that way. He's made us to live like this. He's made this community. It's his idea. We need it. People need it. And that's why we get together. That's why we come together like this, because we want to display it. We want to display our unity. And there was also, as part of this, an incredible generosity. There was a generosity in the early church that had never been seen before. A freedom in giving to one another. They saw the whole as being more important than the individual, in one sense. They honoured the individual, there's no doubt about that. But actually... They saw the whole as so important as they gave to one another and made sure that no one went without. They were selling their possessions. They were giving to those in need. Here's a statement, a bold statement maybe. But there should be no one ever in Jubilee Church Solid Hall that ever goes without. No one should ever go without. No one in this place should ever go without. Now, I have to confess I'm going without at the moment um, and I'm feeling a bit let down. I don't have my Lamborghini yet. And <laughs> oh, it doesn't mean that, does it? It doesn't mean that everyone's going to have loads, that everyone's going to have lots of possessions. What it means is no one should go without. You should never, you should never uh, be in a position where you can't put food on the table. You should never be in a position where you haven't got a roof over your head. You should never be in a position where you haven't got clothes to wear. And if you have then we are letting you down. And we mustn't. We mustn't do that. They, they gave. They had everything together. I'll remember... I'll remember this for the rest of my life. And it still gets me now. I was sitting in leaders' meeting, elders' meeting, whatever it was at the time, many years ago. And... Um, <laughs> I was sharing with the guys in that meeting that I was facing redundancy. I was in IT at the time and um, all of us in that room had other jobs as well as leading the church. Um, and I said, look, I've just been told I'm facing redundancy. And the guy who was leading the team, Robin Vincent, it's good to name names and honour people. Yeah. He was a police officer at the time and he looked at me and he said, you won't go without I will work extra shifts if I have to, but you will not go without. I was just, and I still am, blown away by that. That, that is what this passage is describing. That is what it's describing. We come together and no one goes without. But you know what? We've got to have the authenticity to say, guys, I'm without. I'm struggling. I'm going to lose my job. I, I've, I've made a mistake with my money. I can't afford food next week. Do you know what? 
even then you shouldn't go without. There may need to be some education and some looking at some budgets, but you shouldn't go without. And that's what they did here. No one went without. That was such a display of the gospel that people were added to their number. That's the gospel. Because guess what? Jesus died and now we don't have to go without. It's amazing, isn't it? It's what Jesus demonstrated as he died on that cross. Before that, we were going without. We were going without life. (laughs) But he died. So we didn't have to go without. And it's a demonstration of the death and the resurrection of Jesus as we help one another like this. And you know what? No one was making them do it. This whole giving, selling stuff and giving their money and sharing and making sure no one went without, no one made them do this. They did it because they loved one another. They did it because they were devoted to fellowship, devoted to one another. John chapter 13 verse 35 says this, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I think what this also does is it gives us stories to tell that shows people who we are and who God is. And so as we do this and people see it, they will know because of our love for one another that there is a living God who also loves them. And people are added to the number. And we'll grow. We will see that growth. And it's not, we don't want to see growth for growth's sake. We want to see growth because what does growth mean? Growth means that people who were going to hell are not now. <laughs> that's, that's what growth is. That's what we want. So actually, as we look after one another, we're sharing the gospel. This is mission. Looking after one another is also mission. We need to have that mindset that everything we do is about making God's name famous. God's name glorious in the places we're in. So you go to work and and they say, oh, how are you doing with some struggle or other? You go, what? I'm not struggling with it anymore because the church family I'm with, this fellowship, you might not use that word with them. These, I've been one anothered. We're one anothering. We're we're building one another up. We're 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 doing this for one another. We benefit. God's glorified. People are saved. Why wouldn't we do it? <laughs> and you know, it tells us in Acts that they were devoted to this, and that's what this series is all about. It's about being devoted to it. Devotion, the whole word devotion, just, it's all in, isn't it? It's all in. Every bit of you is in. The word means to be earnest towards, to persevere, be diligent, to attend to all the exercises, adhere closely, do continually. That's what devoted means. It means all in. It means doing it all, constantly. But not in a way that's a chore, but in a way that's just brilliant. It's a difficult, you know, you, when you're devoted to something, you do it because you, you can't do anything else. 
You know, when God puts his spirit in you, there's a devotion then to one another that it's, you can't not do it. You can't not do it. It's what devotion is. And in this context, we saw last week, it's about being all in with the teaching, devoted to the, to, to the word of God, devoted to the, to fellowship, eating together, praying together, doing it continually. Sticking with it, valuing it highly. This is about the togetherness of God's church to one another. They were devoted to it then, and we should be devoted to it now. But before I go on to apply some of this specifically and think about where we stand here today with this. I just want to touch briefly on those times where it doesn't quite work out. We're flawed, aren't we? Well, I am. (laughs) And sometimes togetherness Devotion to the fellowship, devotion to one another doesn't quite go the way we think it should and the way we want it to. And this is a sensitive issue for many people, myself included. I won't tell my story now all over again because I've told it lots of times, but many of you will know, some of you won't, that I, Pam, and family went through a dreadful time two years ago in relation to church. And um, I got to the point in that where I didn't really want to belong to another community of believers. That's what it felt like. And, you know, you hear this phrase, I was hurt by the church. I'm not sure that's a good phrase. I was hurt. We were hurt by people. Okay, people are the church. But the church is about... It going well, I think. And Anyway, we got to the point where we didn't want to be part of anything ever again. That's how I felt. I think I speak for both of us. But we started coming here because we knew it was the right thing to do. Even though we didn't really want to. And many of you will have seen us like that, sat at the back, looking like we'd rather be anywhere else. And um, I can laugh about it now almost. (laughs) We knew it would be good for the... We didn't want the kids to grow up thinking church was a bad thing. So we came for their sake a lot of the time. I didn't want to participate. I didn't feel like I had a common purpose. And I was certainly not going to be generous. And I didn't want the vulnerability that came with having a common purpose. Do you know there's a vulnerability in the common purpose? There's a vulnerability in being all together. And that vulnerability, when it's violated, takes a long time to get back. And it hurts. Really hurts. And the reason I wanted to tell a bit of my story there is because I want you to know that when I say this, I've been there. I've been through it. I, I've, I've suffered through it. 
And I know it's horrible. And I know there are others who have suffered, who are suffering. So what do we do about it? Well, as I've already talked about cycling, anyone who's anyone who knows me and anyone who spends more than about 15 or 20 minutes with me will know I love cycling. Um, I talk about it quite a lot. Um, do you know what? I, I need to confess, I'm not as good as the pros. I'm not. Sometimes in my head when I'm riding, I feel like I am. I think, man, I must look really good on this bike. <laughs> I've, uh, you've got you've got to think it to be good at it in a way, you know. I probably look, but no, I probably don't look that good. Shocking. I'm not even as good as amateur racers, and I'm probably slower than more people than I'm quicker than. And I, does that make sense? I'm quicker than you still, but my son is catching me up. I'm trying to stay ahead still. I've got a few years' experience on him. But you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm not too bad at it, and I enjoy it. And there are days when I go out on my bike, and it doesn't go so well. I might get a puncture. And at that point, my bike has let me down. Some days, my legs don't feel like it. They've let me down. Or sometimes, it's about the psychology. My head's just not in it. And it lets me down. And I think to myself, it should be better than this. All the years of training I've put in, I should be fantastic by now. It should all work. I shouldn't have days like this. But you know what? It doesn't stop me going out. Because there are those moments when it's about 16 to 18 degrees Celsius. The sun's shining. There's no breeze, and I am flying up those hills, flying down the hills, going along the lanes with the wind in my helmet. I was going to say the wind, (laughs) the wind in my beard, and the endorphins are kicking in, and they're good, and everything's right with the world. All the bad days are forgotten, because just then, life's good. It's working. And not to trivialise it, but do you know what? I found the church to be a bit like that at times. Sometimes someone lets you down. Sometimes you let someone down. And it just isn't going so well. Actually worse than that, we're hurt. Others are hurt. Fed up. And we think, after all these years, it should be better than this. This is God's church. It should be better than this. But we've got to remember those times when it is better. And it is better. It doesn't always work out. But we shouldn't stop doing it. Because it is better than that. This is God's church. We are God's. And I think Rob's going to touch on this a bit more next week. At times like this. How do we get it to be better again? Well, there's forgiveness and there's reconciliation. And I think Rob's going to touch on some of that next week. But we need to be devoted to this, no matter what's happened before, no matter what's gone before. 
But the question is, what's made me now want to be part of this community? Because I do. (laughs) It has moved on over two years. It has changed. There is good news. It does get better. What's made me want to give my money again? What's made me want to participate again? Well, funnily enough, exactly the same thing that made me not want to. People. (laughs) It's all about people. Because actually when we came to Jubilee, because we knew it was the right thing to do, we saw the honesty, the integrity, the authenticity. We saw the honour. That blew us away. We saw it. We saw the way people treated one another and we went, oh yeah, we remember what it's like when it all works. We remember how good it is when it's all working and going well. We want to be part of it again. It took other things. It took the forgiveness. It took healing. But it was the people. It was the one another. It was the fellowship. It was the way people reached out to us, encouraged us. I was thinking about this yesterday, and I don't think I... I think I've probably said this before. I have never been to any church ever. And I've been going to church forever in my life. There's never been a time where I haven't been in a church. And I've never been anywhere that's so encouraging, that's so authentic, that has so much passion, that has such a sense of family. I've been in church plants where there's just a group and it's come close. But I've never seen anything like this before. There's something very special here. There is a sense of fellowship of one another of community here that I've never experienced before. And I know that's taken pain and hard work. I know it just doesn't appear. We're now living in the good of that. And it's a very healing place to be. And uh, thank you, because you've been an amazing part of that for us as a family. I seem to end up saying that a lot of times when I preach, but I think I'll say it forever, because it's true but there's a sense of one another. But that doesn't mean it's the finished article. It doesn't mean there won't be times where things get a bit rocky or bumpy. But actually then what we have to remember is Acts 2.42. We've got everything in common. We've got, we've got to work at this. We've got to put things right. We've got to make it right. It's hard work. But it's worth it for those times. Like this morning when we're worshipping and you think, yeah, this is the, this is the good time. It's amazing. God visits and says, you're my people. I love you. I'm pleased with you. You're wonderful. And he just manifests his presence on us. It's what happens in the worship. If you're struggling at the moment, hang in there. Don't reject the community of believers. Don't even come close. It's a scary thing. Let the Holy Spirit do his thing. Because he's good at it. God's plan really does work. So, how do we apply this specifically in in the last few minutes? Although that's been some application as well. What does this mean for us? So, how are you doing with being devoted to fellowship, devoted to the believers, devoted to one another? How are you doing with the three words we looked at? Participation, common purpose and generosity. How are you doing with serving? Do you know I <laughs> part of that story from two years ago? I used to uh, lead a team of elders, lead a church, and um, 
So part of what I used to do is often ask people to serve. And I uh, once asked, we, oh, it's a great, I love this story. Sometimes I think I shouldn't tell stories like this, but it's really funny. Um, <laughs> well, I think it is. I, um, we, we, had a, we didn't have our own building like this, so we had to set it up every week. Put the chairs out. Put the chairs out. Oh, goodness me. I love coming here because I don't have to put chairs out. <laughs> That's not the only reason. Um, and I said to someone, look, we need someone else to help us serve and set the chairs up. Will you do it, please? And they said, ooh, let me go away and pray about that. <laughs> no, 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 don't pray about it. Just do it. Okay? Just do it. Do you know what? Sometimes we've just, this serving thing, we've just got to serve. Yeah. See the need, serve. Yeah. I don't think you need to pray about putting chairs out. Yeah. I think God's already said, go on, go and do it. Yeah. <laughs> But do you know what? Sometimes, sometimes we just need to see the need and get on with it. When it's serving, just do it. If you're serving, I don't think God's going to object. Okay? You don't need to go and pray about it. You just need to do it because it's in the Bible. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I can say that because there's no one going to ask me to put chairs out. <laughs> um, oh, dear. I love kids. I can never manage a whole one. No. Um, <laughs> sorry. Do you know, we show our devotion by action. Okay? Devotion's not about a feeling. It's not, I kind of feel gooey towards everyone. I'm devoted. No, devoted is an action. Okay? We serve one another. We're devoted and we show our devotion by serving, by being devoted to one another, another is serving each other. So how are you doing with it? How are you doing with serving? Where are you serving? And that's not just on a Sunday. I used the illustration on a Sunday. It's not just a Sunday. Okay? Do you know the needs of those around you so you can serve them day in, day out? This is, this is all day, every day, 24-7. Sometimes it is 24-7 for some. You know, this is about serving one another all the time. But being honest with our needs, being authentic about where we're at so others can serve us. You can't, someone can't serve you if you're not honest with the fact that you need serving. So let's be honest with one another. Okay, let's be vulnerable. It's hard, but let's do it. Common purpose, how's that going? Do you feel like you've got everything in common with these believers? How do we even measure that? How do we know? Well, a good, start, good place to start is with what's written on the wall over there. Do you have a passion for what's happening here? Are you being authentic with those around you? Do you honour those around you? You see, they're such a good measure of where you are with being in a common purpose. Because if you look at those and think, well, I quite like one of them, but I'm not so keen on the other, It's not common purpose. You're not all together. We're not devoted to one another. We need to look at those. You might want to look at one of them and say, where, look at passion. Where can I increase my passion for what God's doing here? My passion as a believer. They're a good measure for our common purpose. And if you're not sure, and you're brave, 
Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him, where do I need to change to be of common purpose, to be devoted to fellowship? And how are you with your generosity? Are you giving? Do you give into a need when you see it? Doesn't have to be money, might be time. Again, when you, as a church leader, when you see, you know, people give, and uh, as soon as someone stops giving their money, you know it won't be long before they leave the church. If you're committed, if you're, um, if you're of common purpose, if you're part of this, you put your money where your mouth is. It's, it's such a marker of where our heart is. If your heart is with this people, your money will be with this people too. Giving to the church, giving to others as you see they have need. Here's a dangerous thing to do. Ask the Holy Spirit, give me, a, give me an opportunity to be generous this week. Give me an opportunity to be generous this week. Let's do that. Let's serve one another. Let's be devoted to one another in action. (coughs) Let's have that common purpose. And let's be generous. Let's be devoted to fellowship. And in doing so, devoted to the gospel, devoted to God, as we love one another, people will see it. Let's be a radical agent for change in our communities by what we do together and we'll see change in us in each other and in the world this is so important to get hold of